Thank you for joining us for Breakthrough with Pastor Jason Stanford. Breakthrough is a place where you can find community, encounter Jesus, and discover purpose. Please take a moment to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single message. Let's go straight into the service recorded at Breakthrough Church in Cookville, Tennessee. Enjoy. All right, Luke chapter 7. Today I want to to wrap up um, this topic and sermon series called Let Faith Be Your Legacy, part four. All right, so this is the fourth part in this. Let faith be your legacy. And so there's a couple additional things that I want to say today about having great faith. Now, we've looked at this for the last few weeks about having great faith. In the ministry of Jesus, there were two different... um, people, if you will, two different individuals that in Jesus is dealing with them, he remarked and said to them that they had great faith. He classified their faith as great faith. Now he said to people, according to your faith, be it done, according to you believed, or because of your faith, and so on and so forth. Now that was something he said to a number of people, uh, virtually everyone that he dealt with individually and directly. But in this area, in in this way, He actually classified their faith as great faith. Great faith. What was about their faith that caused him to say great faith? And there's one thing about this that he marveled at it, the Bible says. That Jesus actually saw his faith and marveled at their faith and this centurion's faith. I want Jesus to marvel at my faith in him. And I want Jesus to marvel at your faith in him. And so we begin to look at some of these things that will cause us to walk in great faith. We realize that it, the knowledge of God's Word is the foundation for great faith. We, we've looked at that. That's so critical. You can't have great faith uh, it, without it being built on the proper right foundation. That's a foundation of the knowledge of God's Word. And so that was, of course, first and foremost, that they all heard something about Jesus. And we talked about how our faith in Him has to be expressed to be effective, we looked at. We've, we've talked about how our faith in Him must be uh, released to be effective. It also, we must not quit. Great faith never quits. It stays with it. Great faith doesn't give up. Great faith is bold in nature, we've looked at. And so today, from the centurion story again, I want to look at two additional things here. In the moments that we have left, Luke chapter 7, verse number 2 through 10. Let's read this story. It says this, And a centurion slave, who was highly regarded by him, was sick and about to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave or his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation And it is he who built us our synagogue. Now Jesus started on his way with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. 
And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave or the servant in good health. Hallelujah. Great faith. Great faith is rooted in this. Great faith believes in the supremacy of Jesus. Now I want to unpack that for a moment. Enjoy it up for just a moment. Great faith understands authority. Notice he says here, Lord. I mean, he recognizes Jesus' place, Jesus' stature. Great faith understands authority, how authority works, how authority operates, and understands how to operate in authority and to use authority. Here is this centurion. He's a man. Notice he says something. He understands what I say about the supremacy of Jesus. He saw Jesus greater than whatever he faced in life. He saw Jesus greater than the, the illness that had brought his servant to the point where he was going to die. He was now paralyzed. He was tormented. And he was at the place of death. We understand these things from, from Luke's account as well as Matthew's account of this story. And he says this to Jesus. He said, Jesus, you don't even need to come to, to my house. Now, I love this story because this is just a little point, a side note. You know, Jesus will always meet you at your point of faith. Yes. It takes faith to receive from God. But he'll always meet you at your point of faith. You know, he, he came, they came to him and Jesus said, I'll go. You look from Matthew's gospel and it says, I will come and heal him. If you go to Matthew's and read his account, he says it like that. They approach him and Jesus says, I will come and heal him. And here in Luke it says, when he started on the way. That's what he was going. Now, let me ask a question. Did Jesus have to do it that way? No. Obviously not because he just said a word and the man, the man was healed. Why did he do that? Because he met them at their point of faith. And he'll always meet you at your point of faith. It's under your faith. Now, if you can just believe right there that his word, that's good enough, that's it, da, 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 he'll meet you at your point of faith. But God, he, listen, he's so merciful that he'll just meet you right there at your point of faith. You need somebody to come and lay hands? That, that's why. That's why there are multiple ways in Scripture, when you read Scripture, of receiving from God. Like, like let's say, in the subject of healing. There are multiple ways, when you read the Word of God, that healing can come. Yeah. Laying on of hands is one way. There's another way. It says you call for the elders of the church to anoint you with oil. That's one way. You can just have faith in God's Word all by yourself. That's one way. You can believe and speak to your mountain. That's one way, you see. There's multiple ways. Why? Because God will meet you at your point of faith. And sometimes you might be able to have faith in this one area, but you're, you're not as confident about receiving this other area. Well, if you're not confident in faith, then you're not going to be able to receive from Him. So there's multiple avenues and for, you to get your, for you to be able to easily connect and get your faith to because you know why? He's interested in you receiving what he does, who he is, and what he's provided for you. Glory to God. And he says here, the centurion says this. He says, for I too, he says, listen, just say a word. Just say a word. I'm not, you don't even need to come under my roof. Listen, you are greater. You, you are greater. You're superior. You don't even need to come in this place. Listen, if you just say the word. That's enough. If you just speak the word. And why did he believe that way? Because he said this, for I too, or for I also am a man under authority. Now notice that phrasing. For I too, or for I also am a man under authority. 
What is he saying? He's saying, Jesus, I know you are under authority. Did you see that? He says, for I too, I also. He's referencing Jesus here. He's recognizing Jesus. I know why you have authority. I understand this. Because I have authority, because they have given me position, they've given me rank, and because of my place, I can speak to one to go and they go. I can speak to another under my authority and to come and they will come to me. And I recognize that you're a man under authority. And Jesus was under authority. The Bible says the Father sent him. He was here not of his own accord, but of the Father's will and plan and desire to accomplish his work. That's why he prayed in John 17, Father, I, I've accomplished the work. I, I've fulfilled it. I've finished the work. I've done everything. I've kept those that you've given me. He says, I've accomplished it all. That's why he said on the cross, it is finished. Hallelujah. That's what he said in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will done. See why? He's a man under authority. And he recognizes that Jesus, there is something that's backing you. There's a greater weight, a greater power that backs you and that you are over. Now notice this. He says, for I also am under authority. And I have soldiers. We read this. He says, I have soldiers under me. The centurion said, I have soldiers under me. Under me. And so I say to them, go, and they go, and come, and they come. Notice that, though. I have soldiers. Why is that? Because they're under me. What is he recognizing about Jesus? He's saying, Jesus, I know sickness, disease, it's under you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I realize that whatever's attacked my servant, that has brought him to the point of death, that has paralyzed them, caused him to be fearfully tormented, and at the place of death, I have recognized that whatever this is, it's under you. Hallelujah. And if you say go, it will be gone. Hallelujah. Because I understand when those that are under me and I say something to, that it happens. So if you will just say the word over this thing, it will go. Hallelujah. Great faith understands authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, or all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Hallelujah. Great faith is connected to our understanding of authority. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians 1 that Jesus is seated in a heavenly, highly place. In fact, in Ephesians 1, the, the Apostle Paul is praying for this church. And he's praying for them, and he says, I never cease to give thanks for you and to pray for you. So he's, this, is a, this is a frequent prayer that he is praying. And he's praying that, th that God will give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. That their spiritual eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Or the eyes of their heart be enlightened. And he prays for them multiple ways. But their spiritual awareness is the way I would say. That their spiritual awareness would increase of different things. And one of those things that, that he wants their spiritual awareness of increase of is of God's power. And then another one is of their authority in him. And the place that Jesus has. And so at the end of this prayer in verse number 19, it says this, or excuse me, in verse 20, it says, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him, Jesus, at his right hand, the Father's right hand, in the heavenly places, 
notice this, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Friends, it's important and critical for us to walk in great faith to understand the supremacy of Jesus. He says he's far above all principality and rule and authority, and that speaks of evil rule and authority. Demonic cohorts of the enemy's camp. In other words, anything the enemy could try to do to come and destroy, yet Jesus is over and above. He's won the great victory. This is why, just like for the centurion, that servants, the illness that come against him was under him. And so it still is today. So friends, I want to encourage you to have great faith in the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But lastly, another point about great faith that needs to be met here, or be made here. In Luke chapter 7, and in our story of the centurion servant that we read, is this truth. Great faith believes it before it sees it. Great faith believes it before it sees it. Now, we've looked at great faith from two different aspects, two different stories. The centurion we just read about here. And then last couple of weeks in Matthew and in Mark's gospel both, the Syrophoenician woman. And in both of those cases, he classified them as having great faith. And in both of those stories, they believed what he said before they saw the results of what he did. He says, the centurion here says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And so he speaks. He doesn't go to the house. He speaks and the servant is healed. And well, in fact, it says it like this way in Matthew's gospel, chapter 8, verse 13. Matthew 8, 13. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. So basically, he returned. Now listen, this is happening not in the home. He doesn't have a chance to say, okay, Jesus, I think we're good. Yeah, he's better. Okay, you can go now. You know, no. Jesus, I believe what you just said right now. And they believe that. And so that posse turned around, went back to the Cisterian's home, and guess what? Found that servant well and healed. Why? Because Jesus says, go. It's been done as you believed. And the Syrophoenician woman, the same thing. She had to go home. Her daughter was sick at home, cruelly tormented by a demon and possessed and, and afflicted. And Jesus touched, Jesus healed her and declared she is healed. And the lady had to go home and saw that she took his word at face value. She had to believe it before she ever saw it. Could I say it like this? Great faith believes it before it can verify it. Great faith believes it before it can check it out. This is something that's tripped me up before in my life. I'll pray. Oh, let me go see if it's happened. Oh, man. Did I really believe it then? 
Did I make, I mean, be honest with you. Did I believe it? Now, I know I'm waiting on the manifestation, but that's different. Do I believe it's happened or not? And I say, well, I guess it didn't happen. No, no, I believe it's happening. I believe what he has said. I believe it will take place, glory to God. His word is all the verification that I need. And if I, listen, in other words, <laughs> here's a problem. If we're not careful, we do this thing, right? We call fact checking. Somebody tells you something and we go, well, let me go check that. Let me do a little fact checking. In this day and age, everything goes on and you go and you fact check it. Isn't that right? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Or somebody tells you something and you're like, I don't believe that. Let me go check that out. Let me go. You fact check them, don't you? You know what I'm saying? Let me be honest with you. You just thought of somebody when I, right where you're on, I told you. You did. Let's be honest. You know those people too. They're good people. They just get details wrong a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But what happens is we believe the Lord. And the Lord, we see from God's word that it's right. And he, what he said is true. And praise be to God. And we, we know what we do if we're not careful. We try to go fact check Jesus. We go to try to fact check his word. Well, now he said, let me go find out. Oh, well, no, I guess he didn't. I mean, I guess I, I thought he said, listen, friends. Don't get discouraged. It'll show up in your body. It'll show up in your finances. It'll show up in your mind. It'll show up in your home. It'll, it'll show up, glory to God. If you believe, you've got it, hallelujah. What is in this natural world will give way to the spiritual, hallelujah. Because God's word is greater. Jesus spoke in one location and affected two other things in another location. Because there's no distance in the spiritual realm. Hebrews chapter five, uh, 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is what? Living and active. It's alive and active. Friends, I want to tell you this right here. These are not dead words written on paper from a dead tree. They are living words, glory be to God, that are active and powerful and will change things, glory be to God. And you at great faith says this, His word is enough. If this is how He said it's going to be, this is how it's going to be. I might not know how it's going to look like. I might not know when it's going to look like. I might not know how. I might not know the avenue. I might not know the way. I might not know always the timing. But I know this. If this is his promise, if this is what he said, then I believe it. Hallelujah. The word of God is alive, living, and active. That's why these words can change our lives, change our minds, change our bodies, change our hearts, and change our eternal future to the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11, says this, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater." So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Without accomplishing what I desire. And without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. 
Glory to God. What's he saying here? He's saying here, I don't make empty promises. He's also saying that everything I said in here was for a reason and a purpose. He says, without accomplishing that which I sent it, and without exceeding in the matter for which I sent it. He sent his word. These contain the words of the living God from his mouth, <laughs> inspired unto people to record and write and remember these things to, uh, to keep for our understanding and knowledge. But they are breathed on by the almighty God, hallelujah, and they are living and active, and these are not empty words. So if God has made you a promise, he will fulfill it. Hallelujah. You heard it right there in the testimony this day. Doesn't he say men will give unto your bosom? Glory to God. He showed out. That's how, There you go. I did it right there. God's a faithful God. It will not return unto me empty or void. That word means without producing the desired effect. It will not return to me without producing an effect. It will not return unto me useless. It will accomplish what I've given it to do. Friends, God will always confirm His Word. So I want to encourage you this morning. Take God's Word at face value. Believe it in your heart. Receive it into your heart. And say there's no other outcome than this outcome right here. And let his word go forth from your mouth to your situation. Keep sending, keep sowing his word into your situation. Into your situation. Thank you, Lord. You know, if you've got a patch of grass out there, you just look out there and you've got a patch of grass. But you want to see corn, what do you do with it? You plant corn. If you see a patch of grass out there, and you know what? You want certain kind of flowers to grow and develop. What do you do? You, you sow those flowers. You plant them right there. Isn't that right? That's what you do. You might look into your life right now and you say, well, I, I see this patch of grass. You name it. Whatever, whatever the situation is, what should you do? You're going to need to go and sow something into it. You might be dealing with a pressure, a situation, an affliction, an issue. Friends, you need to go and sow into that situation. You, what, you don't need to see, stand back and say, well, I surely hope one day there's going to be, there's going to be corn out there. Friends, you're going to be sitting there waiting a long time. Well, I sure hope, well, I sure would have shown there were some pretty flowers sitting out there instead of set grass. You've got to do something about it. What do you do? You go and sow into it. What do you and I need to sow into the situations that we confront in our life? We need to sow the promises of God. We need to send it into the situations that we're dealing with with our words. Lord, you've sent your word. I take your word and I sow it into the situations that I'm, I'm confronting and that I'm dealing with. And I believe that you will never fail. And I'm going to keep sowing and I'm going to keep sowing and I'm going to keep watering and watering. And I thank you, Lord, a harvest is going to come forth. Hallelujah. And before long, that won't just be a patch of grass any longer. No, it'll totally change over. And it'll be now. It won't be a grass field. It'll be a corn field. It'll be a soybean field. It'll, why? But why? Because you kept sowing into it over and over and over. So every day of your life, multiple days of your life, sow the seed of what you have his word of what you need to see in your life. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Because great faith believes it before it sees it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And you can even say, that's a cornfield right there. How do you know that? Because I'm sowing corn into it. <laughs> and it's going to come up. Hallelujah. Well, that's a healed body. How do you know that? Because I'm sowing healing into it. Glory to God, the promise of it. And take any other promise of God in His Word and sow it into that situation. And give God something to work with in your life. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me if you will? Glory be to God. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Please take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe. This helps us reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and ensures you will never miss a message. For more information on Breakthrough Church, please check us out on Facebook or email us at info at findbreakthrough.com. Breakthrough is located at 480 Old Kentucky Road in Cookville, Tennessee, and we would love for you to join us in person. Services are at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday mornings and 6.30 Wednesday nights. We offer ministry for all ages and look forward to seeing you soon.